0: I hold before you now in royal robes. I don't deserve. I live to serve your Majesty. Is that okay.
1: good morning everybody warm welcome to all of those of you here in church Um, a warm welcome to all those joining us online either live as we live stream this service or uh, who'll be watching it um, at some later date in the week Um, however you watch this service we pray that the lord will be present with you and will be a blessing to you this morning this service is going to be slightly different from our normal uh, second service, because, of course, as you have seen f- from the screen uh, behind me, we are mourning the death of our, uh, of our Queen, Elizabeth II, who passed away last Thursday afternoon. As uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury said uh, shortly afterwards, as I quoted on that, um, on that um, photograph, May she rest in peace and may she rise in glory. And the great thing is that we can rest in assurance that she will rise in glory. And as we will be celebrating later on, we will be celebrating her Christian faith. But um, we're going to start shortly with a possibly slightly subdued time of worship. But nonetheless, we need to lift lift up high the name of Jesus, our King of Kings, who is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords and King of Queens as well. After that, the children will leave us to, um, for their, um, own, um, cl- um, their own classes, uh, their own meeting, which um, Ian Peake is organising today. He will be doing a, a short commemoration of the Queen's life with the, and some prayers with them. We shall ha- once they have left, we shall have a slightly more, rather more formal commemoration of the Queen than uh, perhaps we're used to in this uh, second service. And we will finish that with, uh, with singing the national anthem. After that, we will return to the ministry of the word and our series in 1 Peter. And today we've got to 1 Peter chapter 4, and under the title of Transformed Living, James Heinson will be preaching to us later on. So please do be praying for him as we worship. But first of all, let us just be quiet for a moment in the presence of our Lord. And Paul reminds us that because of our faith in Jesus, and more importantly, because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we have peace with our God, with our Father. Jesus commands us to abide in Him, and abiding Him in Him is a place of rest. So, first of all, let us relax. Be at peace and enter into that peace that Jesus has died to bring to each one of us. Let us thank Him that His Holy Spirit, who brings to us the reality of Jesus living in us, is with us. And no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. He promises, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." If there's anything that we're a bit concerned about or anything we've done wrong, let's bring it to him now. Particularly for any sin, let's receive his forgiveness, which he freely gives. To remind ourselves that he lives in us and is at work in us changing us from one degree of glory to another but never rejecting us and so our first song I'm going to invite us to stand reminds us of all that Jesus has done for us in the darkness we were waiting without hope without light
0: In the the darkness, darkness we we were waiting waiting without without hope, without without light, till from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dust Praise the Father the cross. For even in, in, your in your suffering, you saw to the other side. And knowing this was your salvation, salvation Jesus, for, your, salvation, salvation, Jesus, for your sake you died. died. Praise the
1: in our hearts we bow before you and we confess that you are king of kings and lord of lords we acknowledge that this whole creation was made by you and for you and we acknowledge that one day everything will be brought into unity in you lord Jesus Christ We acknowledge your presence with us. We thank you that you, the King of glory, went to the cross for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have risen us up, raised us up to sit with you in the heavenly places. To walk with you day by day. Lord, we acknowledge your presence with us. We acknowledge your greatness. We acknowledge your love for us. And we thank you that you are here. Come Holy Spirit, rest upon us, rest upon Ian and our children as they go out to their classes now. As we commemorate and as they commemorate your servant Queen Elizabeth, who is now with you in glory, we pray that we might be inspired by her example of faith, of commitment and of service to you and to others around us. Because we ask it in your name and for your glory, Lord. Amen. 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 Okay, um, it is time for the children to leave us. Ian is going to uh, look after you and lead you on for the next um, 20 minutes, half an hour, and then we will meet again and we'll hear what you've been up to. If the rest of us could re- sorry if the rest of us could remain standing please for the moment if you are able as we start what is going to be a slightly more formal part of the ser- part of this service than perhaps we are used to and as we mourn the death of our queen we remind ourselves of the words of Jesus in John's Gospel. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Much has been said in the media over the last three days since we heard the news on Thursday evening about the legacy that the Queen has left us, about the enormous benefit she has been to this country, and I don't want to re- uh, repeat any of that. We, I wished to, uh, to concentrate this morning on the reality of her faith in Jesus. I can remember one, one Christmas message one year when she managed to preach the gospel far better than anybody else I've ever heard, in two sentences. And my heart leapt at that. It was about ten years ago, I think. I wish to quote a few words from an article that uh, the Archbishop of York wrote in the paper a few days ago. And once I've read this, we will continue to stand in a moment in a minute's silence in respect to the queen. And Stephen Cottrell wrote, "Queen Elizabeth made no secret of the fact that a Christian faith, that her Christian faith and a disciplined life of duty and devotion were the source of her guidance and a constant solace. For me," she said, "the life of Jesus Christ, the prince of peace, is an inspiration" and an anchor in my life. A role model of reconciliation and forgiveness, he stretched out his hands in love, acceptance, and healing. So let us stand in silence as we honor her memory and all that she's been to this country. To so remain standing, let us pray. Merciful, merciful Father and Lord of all life, we praise you that we are made in your image and reflect your truth and light. We thank you for the life of our late Sovereign Lady Queen Elizabeth, for the love she received from you and showed among us. Above all, we rejoice at your gracious promise to all your servants, living and departed, that we shall rise again at the coming of Christ. And we ask that in due time we may share with your servant Elizabeth that clearer vision promised to us in Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty God, Father of all mercies and giver of all comfort, deal graciously, we pray, with all those who mourn, the members of the royal family, this nation, and all nations of the Commonwealth, that casting every care on you, we may know the comfort of your love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And we pray now for our new king, for Charles Third, for wisdom, for strength, particularly that he might find strength in his own faith in Jesus and be strengthened by his Holy Spirit. We pray for our new government, only in power for t- 48 hours longer than our king. We pray for wisdom for Liz Trust and her, all her ministers. We pray for compassion. We pray for guidance from you, Lord, that you would overrule all they, all they decide, whether they acknowledge you or not. We pray for them as they tackle all the ma- major issues that we're facing be it the cost of living crisis, the fuel crisis, the health service crisis, the war in Ukraine, all of which in our eyes have been temporarily eclipsed by the news of last Thursday evening. We pray, Lord, for all those suffering in any of these situations, for those worried about how they're going to pay their bills those worried about how they're going to stay home, stay warm this, this winter, those worried about their health and when they might get an appointment, those worried about acts of war in their lands, those threatened by famine, those threatened by the de- deeds of evil people. We bring them to you, Lord, and remind ourselves that you bore all our griefs and our sorrows and our sicknesses and our diseases on the cross. Finally, a prayer for us and for our Queen. Bring us, O Lord God, at our last awakening into the house and gate of heaven to enter into that gate and dwell in that house where there shall be no darkness nor dazzling but one equal light no noise nor silence but one equal music no fears <coughs> nor hopes but one equal possession no ends nor beginnings but one equal eternity in the habitation of your glory and dominion Care, care to be seated. Cheryl is going to bring us our reading now. After which um, James will come and resume our steady, sorry, A series of studies in one, one, the letter of one Peter.
2: The reading is taken from one Peter, chapter four, beginning at the first the first verse living for god therefore since christ suffered in his body arm yourself also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin as a result they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human evil human desires but rather For the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to Him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they may be judged according to human standards in regard to the body but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
3: So good morning everybody here and uh, good morning to, to those of you who are, are listening at home and and also um, to any who might kind of listen to this this recording uh, later on. <coughs> uh, and it's great, great to be here and it's great to be able to look at uh, the next section of, of 1 Peter. Um, I, I love this letter, I, I mean I love all the letters, but but 1 Peter is 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 a super letter because it it feels like a letter when you read it um you know yesterday and this morning i kind of read through the whole letter again and uh you know it's it's a typical letter in a way that you and i might write a letter sometimes you know we have things we want to say to our children or our parents but so we can structure it but then we kind of add little bits and we repeat things and and Sometimes the letter has a structure, but it's also a little bit of a muddle. Um, And and that's what I find with this part of 1 Peter. He comes back to some of the themes that we've already considered in some way. Um, The theme of suffering, of persecution, for example. Um, The theme of judgment, the theme of service. So we've already looked at some of these themes, but he he adds to them. He expands them and and gives us some extra uh, food for thought. Just a quick reminder, um, Peter wrote this letter um, mainly to Gentile Christians in what is now northern Turkey. Um, some parts of northern Turkey um, Paul had visited, but also some um, were, he hadn't, and, and Peter was, was kind of a letter writing this letter to them uh, as well. And a key thing, a key message throughout the whole of the letter is the suffering that these Christians were having. So Peter wrote this letter to encourage them. They were suffering persecution. Um, Some of that persecution was relatively mild. It was was people commenting on their lifestyles negatively. But as as Peter says later in chapter uh, chapter um, 4, some of them were going through a fiery ordeal. You know, it was tough um, being a Christian. And they were largely being mocked and persecuted and suffering because of their distinct lifestyle. They were, they were living an incredibly different lifestyle to the lifestyle that they had lived and to the lifestyle of everybody else uh, around them. Uh, you know, if you look at, uh, look at chapter 3, they were once pagans. Sorry, verse 3. They were once pagans. Um, and, and Peter says, for you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Well, once these Christians chose to do this, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry, reckless, wild living. That was what they used to be. Now they're completely different, and they were having a tough time because of it. And as several of the commentaries point out, probably they were going to have an even tougher time um, because Nero's persecution was about to come upon um, the whole Christian world uh, later on. So they were suffering... Because they were very distinctive. Their transformed lives, and that's the title that Peter gave me for this sermon, their transformed lives were causing people to uh, persecute them and and make their lives difficult because they were so different. This transformed living. And that's the question I'd like us to leave with this, uh, this, this, this morning. If we leave with nothing else, it's just to ask ourselves, are we living transformed lives? Do we stand out? Are we different to those around us? Slight like kind of odd story. I, I used to do a lot of work in in, in Russia. And um, I, I used to, when I started doing this work overseas, I, I, I kind of, it was cold. Russia is a cold country, Poland, Ukraine, other countries I worked in. So I had this red duffel coat um, that my wife, I think, has just got rid of somewhere. They're, they're all black duffel coats now. But um, Russian-Ukrainian men all used to wear black. And, and I stood out like a sore thumb. And I always remember one day kind of going down into the metro and, and people coming up. You know, you look at them as they come up. And I was going down, and they were looking at me. And as, as they passed me, they kind of went like that. And then I heard some of them start giggling and, and laughing. What's a man doing in, in, in a red coat surrounded by men in black coats? And I felt out of place, same as I walked down the streets. I felt different um, to, to the people around me. How different do we feel to the people around us? It's not the red duffel coats that, that make us stand out, it's not how we dress but it should be our transformed uh, lives. And I think Peter has two areas of transformation here that he's talking about. um, And two phrases that, again, I'd like you to go away with is one is transformed living, but two others are, have we finished with sin? That's that's a phrase. I think it was translated slightly differently in the version that was on the screen. Um, But here we have it in verse one. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin so have we finished with sin and then the second area of transformed living is how do we serve others in verse nine well from verses seven um, onwards almost to the end of the section that, that we read it's all about serving others um so have we finished with sin um do we serve others First of all, I, I need to be very clear about what verse 1 does not mean. It does not mean that we never sin again. When, when, when Peter says finished with sin, it doesn't mean that we will become sinless. And it certainly doesn't mean that we'll become sinless through suffering. <coughs> um, what I believe it means, and, and supported by um, the, the kind of commentaries uh, I read, is that sinning should no longer be our first desire. We were once pagans. We once had all these desires of debauchery, lust, drunkenness, and orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry, reckless wild living. I mean, I must admit, um, that sounds a bit tough, doesn't it, really? As I walk around Baston Hill, I, I'm, I'm not sure those are the words that would naturally come to mind. But, but, but people lived for themselves. That's the key thing. People lived for themselves. So finished with sin means not never sinning, um, it means that we are dead to sin, or we should be dead to sin. We should live our lives um, knowing that Jesus died and suffered for us. Our, our lives are different, as, as 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 we know, we become different people um, when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sinning should no longer be our first desire. We shouldn't be living uh, for ourselves. So. You know, our first question, my first question is, in a sense, you know, what is our desire? Is our desire not to sin or is, as Peter points out here, we should not live the rest of our earthly lives for evil, human desires, but rather for the will of God? As, as, as we all know, Peter has this, <coughs> just, just points out that there's a complete break when we become a Christian from our past lives and the lives we should be living And what what should motivate us now is not living for ourselves and living those sinful lives, um, but living lives for the will of God. And, and, uh, you know, he puts it here, we had these past lives as pagans, now we live (coughs) for for the will of God. Uh, And I think he lists what our past lives were, and then... We know that our lives have been transformed through the Spirit, so we should be living for God's will. So the, the, the next question I would ask is, what is God's will? How do we know what God's will is? Peter's listed quite a few in, in already uh, in, in, in his, his, his letter. Um, but for me, the words that stand out throughout the book uh, are in kind of chapter chapter 1 and verse 16 um, but just for 15 and 16 but just as he who has called you is holy so be holy in all you do for it is written be holy because i am holy so the will of god for us is to be holy to live the lives that he wants us to live in accordance with his will how do we know what that holiness is well We've all got our Bibles. Peter, Paul, Jesus, throughout the whole of the Word of God, we are told what that holiness is. It's living for God's will, and God's will kind of comes out on every page of, of his word. Um, Paul in his letters kind of gives long lists of what holiness is, isn't it? Patience and loving kindness, etc., etc. Um, Peter doesn't give quite so many lists in his letters, but he's quite clear um about what holiness is we should read our bibles it's all there (coughs) about how we should live our christian lives and it was this holiness this difference this transformed living that really brought the attacks of the pagans on on christians um Verse four: They're surprised that they do that. You do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. So the difference in their lives attracted abuse. And you know, I sometimes ask myself: Is my life transformed enough? I get very little abuse, and I, I guess very few people here get huge abuse. And, and the question I would ask is: Is it because my life? is different enough do i know enough of the will of god have i got in a sense enough of the spirit in me to be able to live that transformed life i don't want to attract abuse um, i don't want to walk around with placards saying the end of the world is nigh or people of based and will repent or you'll be judged I, I don't want to kind of attract abuse in that way but i want my lifestyle to be transformed i want to say the right things at the right time do the right things so that people know my beliefs and know where I stand and know um, who I am. And I sometimes wonder if we don't attract some form of persecution, some form of negative comment from people around us, are we living transformed lives enough? Or are we still kind of attracted to the list of sin here that that Peter Peter writes about in in verse 3? Are we different enough to attract that kind of uh, negative comment. And sometimes it takes courage. Um, at the end of last term, I, I run a political society in school called the Magna Carta Society. And the girls were discussing transgender issues and abortion and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and they asked me, what did I feel about some of these topics? And I thought, oh, goodness. Um, but I, I actually said, look, um, I'm going to be very honest. I, I don't agree with almost everything you've said about transgender issues and, and, and things like that um, because of my faith. And they, they accepted that. They, being young students, they didn't heap abuse on their teachers. But maybe if the topic had come up in a staff meeting or staff training, it might have been different. Maybe I wouldn't have had that courage to show the transformation that is in my thinking. And the same about us as a church. Individually, yeah, but as a church, are we a transformed body of of people? Do we live those kind of transformed lives? Now, I am going to avoid controversy by just saying that and not actually saying anything else about maybe how we could be more transformed. And then also in this chapter, as as well as living transformed lives (coughs) for our Lord, doing the will of God, um, Peter mentions a little bit about judgment. Now, I'm not going to go into this um, in, in, in huge detail, um, but we should kind of avoid sin and flee from sin because one day we will stand um, before the Lord Jesus, before God, um, and we will be judged uh, according to uh, not just human standards, but according to whether we have lived um, lives that are transformed. Um, Slightly irreverent cartoon, in, in, I think it was in Private Eye this week, um, has, has the Queen standing in front of God saying, And what do you do? Um, which I think was a phrase that she often asked people when she met them, What do you do? I think the Queen knew precisely what God does. So the question is, Do we know what God does when we stand uh, before Him? So Peter talks about judgment in, in relation to pagans, and then he talks about the end of all times, coming on to a second theme. Of, of service. I'm just trying to thankfully that the kind of light is not in the right place for that clock, so I can't quite see what time it is. Um, so, sorry? Oh, right, okay, so I'm, I'm going to carry on. You um, come on to the second section from verse 7 when he talks about service, but, but the kind of link between service um, and living sinless lives, living lives um, that are finished with sin. is is this issue of judgment and the coming again of Christ. Now, there's no doubt that the early Christians felt that Jesus was going to come again pretty soon, uh, which is why Peter says the end of things is near. And and, and Paul says much the same in different parts of his letter as well. There's a kind of expectation that Jesus was going to return quite soon, which is why some of the the, the Christians who were living were worried about some of those who'd already died before Jesus came back what would happen to them? Um, which, is <coughs> which is why when, when Peter says, uh, for this reason the gospel is preached even to those who are now dead, he's, he isn't saying the gospel is preached to dead people, he's speaking the gospel was preached to people who had died. Um, and he was trying to reassure them and encourage them, as, as this whole letter is a letter of reassurance, that they also would be raised and resurrected and, and see God. So it's a kind of uh, <coughs> link to the next, the, the, this next section. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind uh, so that you may pray. And I suppose one question is, how much are we looking forward to the return of, of Christ? It's very easy to look forward to things, or easier to look forward to things that are very close, aren't they? You look forward to going on holiday and you start preparing a a few weeks beforehand and you're kind of anticipating things and you're preparing for it. Um, You know, it's more difficult to anticipate next year's holiday uh, because it's a long way away. You don't start packing, you don't start thinking about what to take, uh, you don't start worrying about whether you'll miss your flight or whatever. but as Christians, we should be alert and sober minded because the end of all things is, in God's time, near. And that should be a motivation to serve and to live holy lives. Conscious of the time, just going through some of these uh, quite quickly, I think one thing Peter does, by the way, is make the link between prayer, the kind of spiritual life we have, and the, the kind of practical serving Christian lives we have. Um, We know that we need to pray to be able to serve God properly and serve God well, to to have his strength with us. But we also need to serve God to be able to pray well, too. So it's not a case that it's either or serving, just praying and being very spiritual and not doing much serving. And it's not a case of not doing lots of serving and not having a spiritual life either. If we're going to be able to pray, we have to be alert, we have to be holy, we have to be sober sober mind. Peter mentions the word sober three times in the book, in his letter by the way, so it's a word worth exploring. So obviously we mustn't do the things that the pagans do, okay? Um, bango, the drunken orgies and, and the wild living um, that they lived in. We have to be sober. We have to serve God and, and what Peter uh, mentions is quite a few things here. He mentions the importance of prayer. He assumes that people are going to pray. He mentions the importance of loving one another, which was um, the topic of a a previous uh, message. Um, Loving each other deeply. I I think the key word is there. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, A a very misinterpreted verse, this one. It it covers a multitude of sins. So if I'm kind of loving other people... The multitude of sins that are covered are not my sins okay it means that i look at other people differently just as in a sense jesus death covered our sins his love for us covered our sins um, so that they are remembered no more so it should be our love for other people covers their sins and of course if they love us in the same way their love covers our sins as well so it's this kind of um, if we all do the loving in the right way, um, we should all kind of get on with each other really well and have that love which attracts other people to the Christian church, to our faith. So <coughs> loving is, is, is really important. Um, encouraging other people, as, as I think Debbie mentioned uh, n- n- last, last, last week. And, and I also, also remember when Sue and I got married, we spent our first night in, in Ludlow and went to church on a Sunday morning. I don't know whether Sue remembers this. Um, I forget which church it was now. But the, the, the pastor preached a message, and he knew we were a newly married couple. There weren't many there. And uh, the verse he gave us was, Never let the sun go down on your wrath. I'm looking at Sue to check. I'm right there because my memory's not always great. Um, and that's, like, that's a great thing. It's just one aspect of holiness, isn't it? that shows love for each other, that kind of forgiveness. Then we have hospitality, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I, I think that, 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 that's, that's lovely, no grumbling. The, the context of this, by the way, was that um, lots of missionaries, lots of preachers were walking, wandering around um, uh, during this time preaching the gospel um, and they often kind of had to accept hospitality from, from, from people. So you might suddenly have a knock on the door one evening and, and an itinerant preacher will be there uh, saying, can, can, can he stay the night? I nearly said he or she to be politically correct, but can he stay the night? Uh, and, and there should be no grumbling. Yeah, come on in. Yeah, we've got the food ready for you. Uh, so hospitality is a, is a really amazing gift that we have to, to give. And I, I like Peter's illustration about Harriet Harman. Um, being invited to tea with the Queen, the Queen obviously didn't have to go to Sainsbury's to buy stuff to offer hospitality. She always had stuff in the fridge. But even so, the invitation was there. The the, the kind of desire to serve was there. Um, so, willing hospitality should should mark us out. Um, in a previous church we went to, they had a kind of hospitality Sunday when the idea was that everybody invited somebody else to lunch that they weren't actually kind of hadn't chatted to very much. Didn't work very well. Um, but the idea was great. The idea of kind of offering hospitality and doing that. And, and you know, lots of people have offered us hospitality, which is super. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received. Okay, we've received gifts from God to, to serve others. Look to the gifts that we have. We all have gifts. Um, and sometimes if we're a bit nervous about what those gifts might be, then it's up to the church leadership to, to go to people and say, I think you have this gift. Can you use it and serve the church in in this way? Uh, And then another thing, I'm not going to go through a list of gifts, by the way, because I'm going to get into trouble uh, about that as well. Um, I I did think at one stage I had the gift of making cakes and desserts for church, but that fell apart when I was a student, um, as did the cake. So we'll leave that one. And then the last thing is about uh, speaking the very words of God. It was a passage that we just didn't have time to explore very much um in in previous previous sundays but uh you know in your hearts revere christ as lord in chapter three always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason of the hope for the hope that you that you have but do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in christ may be ashamed of their slander always be prepared always be willing to speak this is one of the things that we should do to 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 fulfill the will of god god wants us to serve god wants us to speak god wants us to talk to those around us and that is a huge privilege to share the word of god Um, and and once in christian union we did an activity which was just you know somebody role-playing a non-christian somebody being a christian well they were christians Um, and say, well, just explain the gospel to me. And could we all do that? Could we all be able to offer a reason for the hope within us? And we will be given, as Paul says in other places, those words to say. And we do all of this, all of our service, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and power forever. So the, the idea is that we are transformed through are finishing with sin and are finishing with sin and doing the will of God transforms us as individuals to be able to serve him and people see that service people see how they how we live and hopefully how we live will begin the process of transformation of others as well we are transformed so that we can transform others and those lovely verses in Acts um, where people just saw the love that Christians had for each other and were attracted to the Christian faith. And even in Peter, you know, if we can speak with love, people will begin to have respect, and that's the starting point uh, for belief. So if we do all this transformation, we praise God, and we might, through our transformed lives, get people not to be attracted to us, but people who are attracted to our Saviour.
1: James. James has asked that we sing the next hymn after this one, and in many ways it answers some of what he says. How are we transformed? We are transformed by Jesus within us. Love divine, all love's excelling. Come to earth, come down. Dwell in us. Breathe your loving spirit into each one of our hearts. So, um, Paul says, one of the secrets of the Christian faith is Christ in you, the hope of glory. As we look to him, um, he will transform us from one degree of glory to another. So, let's use this hymn as a prayer. Shall we stand and stretch our legs? And uh, during this hymn, the children will return and then we'll hear what they've been up to. seated.
4: Good morning, everyone. Um, What we did at Children's Club um, today was we started initially by just thinking about Queen Elizabeth and just sort of chatting about her. And I shared a story of when Sophie was six. um, She wrote to Buckingham Palace saying when she was older, she wanted to be a princess. And would it be possible uh, to meet up with the Queen to discuss what the job actually entailed? And we had a lovely letter back from Buckingham Palace saying, the Queen thanked us for the letter, and we, uh, she enclosed a leaflet explaining what Her Majesty got up to every single day to prepare Sophie for her future uh, role in life. We then sort of, we got, we just did a little bit of a card, and I've left it for the children just to write any sort of messages uh, on it. The other thing we then discussed as well is that it's, there are lots of big things happening in the world at the present moment in time and quite rightly our thoughts are with the royal family as they mourn the loss of our queen and, um, think of, and our prayers are with King Charles as he takes on what is almost certainly going to be a very hard act to follow. And it's easy, and it's easy to think that God doesn't care about us. The reality is actually the opposite. Even at this difficult time, God very much cares about us all, and He knows us all. And we did a few pictures. So, are you okay to? Can I show them to the people online and to the congregation? There we are. Thank you, Ben. So we got a, We did a little bit of a craft, just sort of reminding ourselves that God knows is based on Psalm 139 and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Should I show you a picture as well? do you want me to do that? Yeah. And here's the... This, this is the other picture as well. We haven't had a chance to finish off the writing, but we'll do that in a minute. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Ian and the children. We're nearly at the end of our service. I I want to thank a few people, first of all. Um, For James, for his wonderful exposition of God's word. For Peter, our vicar, who's been manning the projection desk this morning, in case those of you online are wondering where he's got to. Uh, For Aidan on the sound desk, for John at the back, um, stage managing the the service, as I um, somewhat irreverently um, call it. And we do have a couple of notices. Um, I'm sorry, we can't get away from those. A reminder that two weeks yesterday now is our church sanctuary day. Um, Please do come to that. Unfortunately, I shall be on the other side of the world. So um, Cheryl and I won't be able to, and we're very sorry we're going to miss it. Um, uh, The day is going to be led by Christopher Landau from Resource. I think I've got that right. Um, and we have a short video where he's going to tell us a bit about the day.
4: It's
5: been- So we really hope that the Sanctuary Day will be a time when we can gather together to pray, to hear from God, to hear his will and direction for our lives, but most of all to be refreshed for what it is that we're facing in our lives. And I very much hope that you might be able to come along and join us.
1: Thank you. A reminder that we will be meeting in church for prayer for this day, this Sunday evening, as we've been doing um, every Sunday evening uh, during this month. So that'll be the, um, so. do come along and join us in prayer for this day, um, th- this evening at 7, and next Sunday evening at 7 as well. One thing I forgot to mention at the beginning of the service, as you will have noticed, there is a table at the back of church with a book of condolence for anybody who may wish to... Refer- um, to record their thoughts, their prayers, their appreciation of the Queen, that is at the back of the book, and I think we will be keeping it there, for a, um, certainly till next Sunday, and possibly beyond. But we haven't made a definite decision about that. Uh, so uh, any time the church is open, um, and if you, anybody who wishes to come in and write in that book, write there, uh, record their um, own feelings in that book, are more than, uh, more than welcome. Finally, I'm going to ask Rachel Potts to come up and share a bit of what what she sees in the future for her.
6: Thank you. Uh, Good morning. I'll make this quick. So for those who don't know, I'm Rachel. I've grown up in this little village, um, but I've been away for a bit studying at uni. I've been doing teacher training. Um, But I'm sharing today because I'm going to be doing a harvest school. It's a missions training school with Iris Global, so harvest school isn't something to be scared about. It just means it's based on the verse Matthews nine thirty eight about sending laborers into the harvest. Um, and I'm just saying that I'm a willing worker for the harvest. I believe that everyone is harvesters. Um, but I feel specifically called to do cross-cultural missions um, with a particular heart for children. So... Yeah, so Iris Global, you might not have heard of this organization, is a kingdom centered organization about advancing the message of the gospel around the world um, through projects, through worship, outreach, family, education, relief, development, healing, and the arts, and just anything else the Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, upon graduation, I'll be qualified to work for this organization anywhere in the world, um, which is why I want to do the Harvest School. Um, I realise that I can't do this alone, and I'm sure that that's the way that God has intended to do it, as his big family. So if you would please keep me in your prayers, I'd be really grateful. And if you would like to sow into this trip, um, then please see me after the service, and I will email you with details for the trip. So, Here's some details about the trip. It's actually £5,500, which is pretty expensive. Um, But it's for three months, and there's a a two-week outreach um, in Mexico afterwards. Um, Yeah, I have until tomorrow evening to raise the funds, so that's quite a steep deadline. Um, But if I don't raise the funds by then, then all the money will go over to the next harvest school which will it, i will attend i don't know exactly where this will be yet but as soon as i know i will let you know um yeah thank you for taking the time to listen to me
1: just before you go let's pray for you i didn't Thanks. do this in the first service and i should have done lord jesus we thank you. thank you for rachel thank you for all that you've done in her life thank you lord you've called her to this ministry lord we first of all lift the timetabling and the release of funds whether it's whether it's right right that she goes on this particular course in which case lord we look to you for a pretty big miracle but otherwise if it's where she goes if she goes on the next um, course we just leave that in your hands lord we ask that you anoint her with your spirit whatever happens lord and lead her on in your way so thank you for her lord and please bless her now. We are, we um, pray your blessing on her. Amen. Thank you. In a moment, we're going to sing our final hymn, and then Peter will um, will uh, emerge from behind the computer desk to come and get, uh, come and bless us on our way. Um, before we, before he we does that, uh, before we do that, can I just thank all of you for coming? As, as Tim Lomax used to say, it's been a privilege to share in worshiping God with you. So let's stand and sing our final hymn, Tell Up My Soul the Greatness of the Lord.
4: God grant to the living grace and to the departed rest, to the church, king, commonwealth, and all humankind, peace and concord, and to us and all his servants, life everlasting, and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you, this day, now and always. Amen. Amen. So go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ.